0: Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers joined by Ida Waringa. We're in Cairo, Egypt at the Africa Cup of Nations. And on this week's show we take a look back at the Nations Cup and the issues around it. Was it a good tournament? How did the expansion from 16 teams to 24 work out? And what about the move to June and July? Well, Nigeria defender Kenneth Omeruo is in favour, but he says it was a challenge. It's difficult, you know, it is difficult, uh, especially after playing a long time in, in your club side. We also talk about Ghana's early exit, and away from the football, we take a trip to Garbage City here in Cairo. So depending which day you're listening to the show, the final will be coming up or it will have been played between Senegal and Algeria. Lots to talk about. Ida and I are at the official CAF Hotel in Cairo. It's an amazing place to be here. It's extremely hot, but uh, wonderful to get a chance to meet football fans and players and officials from all over Africa and to share people's experiences. Um, So, Ida, what would you say about this Nations Cup in general, first of all?
1: Um, the Nations Cup has been very interesting, Steve. Um, I will say, you know, especially when we talk about the expansion, which we will get to in just a bit, it's been very interesting seeing some different and new teams In the Nations Cup, you know, we have some teams who've made it for the first time in years. We have some teams who made it for the first time ever in their nation's history. So it was interesting. Um, And of course, you know, there were some sideshows in terms of different teams. We did have the row over bonus payments, you know, uh, players almost going on strike. But I will say the Nations Cup, I think, has been uh, executed well. And uh, we'll wait to see, um, you know, the next edition.
0: Yes, yeah, been exciting, no doubt about that. Uh, now, the tournament was moved from a January, February to June and July. Uh, one of the reasons complaints from clubs in Europe that they were losing their African players for up to six weeks because of the Nations Cup. Uh, now, that means that this tournament came at the end of a long season, just like the World Cup uh, always does. Nigeria defender Kenneth Omeru told a Planet Sport Football Africa's Oloashin Okaleji that it wasn't easy.
2: It's difficult, you know. It, it is difficult, uh, especially after playing a long time in in your club side. Well, you know, it's it's a tournament, and we've we've prepared for it. Of course, we wanted we wanted to win, but it just it just didn't work out. Uh, just to that stage where they are tired legs and you came into this tournament very confident and hopeful that things could go well for you many believe nigeria overachieved by even getting to the semi finals cause you missed the last two do you agree no i don't i don't agree with that i think uh i think we have a good team you know we have a team who who can win the trophy but even from the start nobody gave us uh, a chance to get to this stage but we we knew we had what it takes and we kept taking each game one you know one at a time so uh I think we we didn't do bad in this tournament, and it would be fair to to take something back um what about um, the fact that uh, you look at the timing of this tournament? do you agree with the timing? Yes, I think it's better than playing in February because, you know, the club engagements will be very busy then. I think it's
0: better to play in the summer, despite it takes away our holiday boys the best time. So a disappointed Kenneth Omeruo there. Nigeria getting to the semi-finals, losing to Algeria with that fabulous Riyad Mahrez free kick with the last kick of the game. Uh, Now, Ida, to you, were some of the players based in Europe looking a bit tired
1: Definitely, Steve. Um, I do think some of them were a bit tired. If we look at some of the more high-profile players, you know, a lot of people were looking forward, especially here in Egypt, to seeing the likes of Mo Salah. I do know some of the stadiums when Egypt was playing were packed to the rafters simply because of seeing Mo Salah. And we saw that he reported to camp uh, the nation's camp for Egypt a bit later, you know, especially considering that he and uh, Senegal counterpart Sadio Mane, who both play for Liverpool, went all the way to the Champions League final. So, yeah, they were looking a bit tired. And, you know, the funny thing about it, if I maybe just try and apply it uh, from my perspective of the Kenyan side, is one of our star strikers, Michael Olunga, he plays in the J League in in Japan, in the Japanese Two League. And, uh, you know, his club, who actually haven't managed to align themselves with uh, the rest of the world in terms of uh, the league's ending in and around mid-year... His club had initially refused to release him. So he literally came from uh, taking part in league games, probably over a Saturday, Sunday. And by Wednesday, he was with the Harambe Stars, the Kenya national team. So some players were looking very, very tired, as we've heard uh, from one of the Nigerian players there. But I will say that in one way or another, it really is for the best you know, because we were seeing very, very heavy rows between club and uh, country when it came to specific players. We did see a bit of that with uh, the likes of Guinea's um Naby Keita. And, you know, it was a bit tricky because we did know he did have an injury that he got, I think, in, a se- in the second leg of the semifinal. But you could see that he was getting a bit better, but Liverpool still didn't want to release their investment. Yet we saw that Guinea and uh, coach Paul Putt really, really needed him to motivate the players. So, yeah, some players were looking tired, but ultimately, Steve, I think it was for the best. What do you think?
0: Well, also what some people are saying, it's been very hot here because it's moved to June and July. Next time it's going to be in Cameroon in 2021 and it's going to be the rainy season there.
1: Exactly. So you can see the very, very huge polarity when we talk about the weather. Uh, But I will say for this, when we talk about the heat and the sun, Egypt is hot, as you'd said earlier, and uh, the water breaks, I would imagine, helped somewhat because we did see for the first time in uh, an Africa Cup of Nations, you know, they did introduce cooling breaks or water breaks. So I would like to imagine they helped somewhat. So, yeah, the the difference in weather is really, really going to affect the players. But I think that that's part of football. You have to be versatile. You have to be flexible. So we'll wait to see Cameroon and the rainy weather in the next two years' time, but they should be able to adapt to that as well.
0: Yeah, well, that's going to be interesting, definitely. Now, we had uh, 24 teams then, uh, an increase from 16 for uh, this edition. Uh, now, I spoke to a Cameroon legend, Joseph Antoine Bell. He was their keeper from the late 70s up to the early 90s. He told me he wasn't uh, that convinced when the idea was brought about, but in the end, he did think it worked mm-hmm. out well to have 24 teams.
3: I'm happy. I'm happy because uh, we've seen good matches. I was uh, very skeptic of what we would have to see here because we went from 16 to 24 teams. And uh, I was not convinced upgrading to 24 will, will keep at least the quality we had before. And before, I wasn't happy with the African Cup of Nations. I wasn't happy because the level for me was not so good until the semi-final. So you can imagine with 24, but then we came here and uh, we saw good matches, uh, particularly from those called small teams. And uh, thanks to them because they came here with good philosophy of the game with a uh, will of moving forward of really playing the game and enjoying it and they did so and so we enjoyed what they did. Moving the competition from January to June means coaches have time to prepare their team. On June you are sure it's just like uh, World Cup conditions your player they can rest a bit, then come to camping with their, their national team and the coaches will have three to five weeks before the tournament, which means they have enough time to prepare something and to show, to display something. And this is what happened. So uh, we saw, for me, we saw a good tournament and uh, with good spirit, but also with good facilities from Egypt, really high standard facilities, and uh, I think now we have set, African Cup of Nations have, has set uh, a new standard and uh, it will be what to be done for the next uh, editions.
0: So that's Cameroon's Joseph Antoine Bell. More from him on next week's show. So I guess we're both happy Ida, because uh, we had five teams from my region, Casafa, Southern Africa, uh, four from your region, uh, Sekafa, in East Africa.
1: Yes, Steve, and that was the first time that ever happened, especially from the East African region. I remember when, I think it was Burundi, which was the last East African team to qualify, and the area went crazy. You know, social media, it was trending all over. To have, I think it was four teams, Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, and Burundi, four teams from the Sekafa region to qualify for an Africa Cup of Nations for the first time was huge. And you know, a lot of people—it's—it's it's double-edged. That's what I'll say because there are the people who, you know, made the argument that look, it really did, uh, you know, bring about some mediocrity to the Nations Cup. There was that argument, but as well, there was the other side of the argument whereby lots of teams and lots of countries did get to take part in a huge competition for the first time, and that can only serve positively. For the country and the state of the foot and the state of football in whatever country that is. So you know, I'll give an example of Kenya, first Nations Cup in 15 years. I'll give an example of Burundi, first ever Nations Cup. Um, for Tanzania, first Africa Cup of Nations in 39 years. You know, so for Uganda, you could see. I mean, they even got to the round of 16. They're, they're veterans at this, you know, compared to their uh, East African counterparts. But I will say it was it was amazing. And for me. I will say that I was in support of the expansion from 16 um, to 24 teams. Yes, it has added a week, <laughs> one more week to the Nations Cup. But yeah, the excitement was real. And you know, for those who couldn't necessarily make it all the way to Egypt, you could feel the, the, the buzz back at home. So I think it was amazing.
0: Madagascar wouldn't have been here if it was a 16-team tournament and they got all the way to the quarter-finals. Uh, That's a good argument in favour of that, uh, no doubt. Uh, Well, This week uh, on social media, asking what did you think about the 2019 Nations Cup uh, with the expanded 24-team tournament and also moving uh, to uh, June and July from January-February. Asking what you think about those changes and what you thought about the tournament as a whole. Uh, Was it a good one? Was it a memorable one? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sports Football Africa, and post a comment there, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. I am Steve Vickers in Cairo, Egypt, at the Africa Cup of Nations, together with Ida Waringa, on a swelteringly hot day where temperatures hit forty-two degrees here in Cairo. Hope you've been enjoying our podcast, uh, The Egyptian Dream, throughout the tournament uh, with Adrian Barnard and uh, Tom Ellis and Liam Flint were here in Cairo. Uh, They've gone back now and the final edition of the podcast will be on Monday. You can listen to all of the previous editions on the Planet Sport Football Africa app. It's been so interesting because as well as the football, they've taken us through the sights and sounds of Egypt. So here's something from the podcast as Tom and Liam went to a place known as Garbage City here in Cairo.
4: Welcome to Garbage City. We are in a city named Manchit Nasser, well known as uh, also as uh, Garbage City. Garbage City is a slum area located in Mukattam Hill. And it's, uh, it, uh, it's economic revolves around collect, uh, collecting the rubbish and uh, being uh, sorted again. Uh, daily, uh, more than uh, 18,000 tons of rubbish come daily to Garbage City to be sorted and recycled by the people here. Wow, and we've
5: just driven up through part of it. You said about 70,000 people live here. Who is it that makes up this community?
4: Yeah, more than uh, 70,000 uh, live in garbage city and more than uh, 60,000 are involved in uh, uh, recycling business. It's a big business uh, in Egypt. And uh, I can say uh, without them, Egypt can't be stopped, Yani, uh, Egypt can be stopped, really, if they stop working uh, two days only.
5: And we just sat amidst huge sacks, piles of huge sacks of trash. So this is just one of the places that sorts the trash and, and recycles.
4: We are here in, uh, in a factory belonging to one of my friends. His, his name is Ahmed. He works in uh, plastic recycling. One stuff, I think, for uh, bags I mean bags uh, plastic. Uh, he, he started first to meet the collection, garbage collector to buy the, the stuff and being here to be sorted and then crush it, wash it and then uh, melted the plastic in it through a machine. It's a family work and family life. So the men, after midnight, Take their cars or trucks to go to every corner of Kairos Street and apartment and flat to take the rubbish door to door and bring it here to be sorted by the woman, another the part of the family. Women uh, mainly, mainly they, they sorted the plastic because it, they collected mixed, so it has to be sorted again. How did this first start? Like they start in 1960, where the poverty was big in countryside upper Egypt. So most of the people, especially Christian, came to Cairo to find a work. But they were former farmers uh, will, will not, uh, with no education. So they started to collect the rubbish to feed their animals. And they this, this started the idea, why not to be a garbage collectors and take the rubbish from, from Cairo. And this, this started like this.
5: And there's a big Christian community here. Yeah,
4: uh, we are 99, 99% are Coptic. D- for one reason. Um, we are growing or keeping pigs, animals, pigs. And pigs are forbidden to Muslims. They can't grow pigs according to Sharia and Quran. But a Christian uh, depend on uh, pigs because the organic food are eaten by the pigs. Let's have some tea.
0: Yeah. Shukran. E- original Egyptian tea. Original yeah. Egyptian tea. Yeah. 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 Without ever the milk, but with sugar. Yeah, ever watching
5: him. And Macarius, you've grown up in this city, in this community. Tell us what your experience of it has been yeah. a- and how you learned English. So, uh, I
4: can say the more I love Garbage City, the more I hate it. Mm. I love Garbage City because we we established a monastery, one of the biggest Catholic church in the world, which attracted tourists from uh, all over the world. I'm proud of the people who. Build that church. This is the first. The second is they they, they collect the whole rubbish and recycle uh, the the rubbish in Egypt. So I'm proud of that people and I'm proud of myself they they they, they, they manage the waste management in Egypt. Ah, uh, uh, You asked me how how can I speak English? It's uh, a <laughs> it's long story, but I can say that I used to go to garbage collectors' houses while they are separating the rubbish and pick up English book from rubbish and I told myself English.
0: Well, amazing. From the Egyptian Dream podcast, uh, Liam Flint and Tom Ellis at Garbage City here in Cairo. So the podcast available on Facebook and on the Planet Sport Football Africa app. The last one is on Monday. And as uh, say, so you can get a chance to go through some of the sights and sounds of Egypt there on the podcast, as well as uh, focusing on the football too. So to have a listen, go to our Facebook page. There's a link there. Or listen in on the Planet Sport Football Africa app. And if you don't have the app, uh, you can go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. And uh, also you can find out about their trip to the Egyptian Museum, which I went to as well the other day. Absolutely staggering as I saw the mummified bodies of pharaohs and uh, queens who lived some 3,000 years ago and saw the treasures of King Tutankhamun, his 11 kilogram death mask that uh, he was buried wearing in a gold coffin that was 110 kilograms of pure gold. Incredible culture that uh, the Egyptians had uh, in that ancient civilization civilization. Let's carry on with uh, looking back at the Nations Cup here on Planet Sport Football Africa. Steve Vickers and Ida Waringa were at the official CAF hotel here in Cairo. Now, a lot of teams went home disappointed, among them Ghana. They were knocked out in the round of 16 by Tunisia on penalties. Lots of controversies in the Ghana camp, especially when Asamoah Gyan had the captaincy taken away. It was given to Andre Dede Ayu. Uh, Ghana's president intervened and Gyan was given the position of general captain, while Dede remained as the captain. I spoke to Planet Sport Football Africa's Betty Yorson. She's from Ghana. She was here with the team. I asked what she made of the campaign and of the exit.
6: It's, it wasn't something that many Ghanaians were expecting, though many Ghanaians didn't really believe that the I mean the team would be able to win the tournament because looking at all the things that the controversies that surrounded the team with regards to captaincy issues which we obviously we knew that was going to create some kind of tension in the team and with all those things we knew that definitely Ghana wouldn't be able to, I mean, win the tournament. But then looking at Kwesi his pedigree at the Africa Cup of Nations, this is his fifth time coming to the Afghan Three times as an assistant coach. So many were expecting that he would go beyond, I mean, exiting at an early stage, which it is a failure for him to exit at an early stage because Ghana has been at the semi finals on, on several occasions. So, with um, Steve, our performance at the tournament was very poor from the onset. And this is because, well, they got the, a better campaign going to Dubai, I, I think, for three weeks, campaign and all that. We had the materials, but I think the coach who was in charge could not get hold of the team. He was not using the materials well. And this is a coach that he has been giving opportunities upon opportunities and he's not improving. So if you've seen that, why do you keep such a coach as, as in a tournament that you want to win? This is a tournament that our government made it as a presidential project and so they invested a lot of money in it. But then... It, it, it just went waste because they couldn't go far the materials they were there but he didn't use it to, to a satisfaction you saw players not being I mean positioned well on the field if you have the materials and you don't use them well you don't get your results and most of our players were also injury prone there were so many scandals that came out but I mean the coach was not in charge of the team let me put it that way he he didn't get it. they would say that if your fundamentals are weak nothing will work for you so the coach got it wrong management, those who were in charge to see to Ghana's campaign at the African Cup of Nations also got it wrong. I, I, it was disastrous for us to I mean, uh, get uh, isolated at, a, at the early stage, but then I, I wouldn't blame anybody, but to blame the management, I mean the Black Stars Management Committee that was put in place, to blame the government and also to blame um, the coach because if, it was, if the coach had done it well, we wouldn't have gotten to where we got to, Steve.
0: So you don't blame the players?
6: No, I don't blame the players. Why would I blame the players? Because if you said this is the material that we have, and you know the, the, the chorus in Ghana was, it is coming home. That was the, 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 the chorus, the slogan. They said, year of return. So if it is a year of return, you you do everything perfect to make sure it retains. It wasn't like that. I wouldn't pl- blame any player, but I'll blame the management, I'll blame the, the coach and also the government at large.
0: So what's going to be the way forward for the Black Stars?
6: We need a coach who can take hold of the, the, the team. And I, I, I know definitely that now, currently, we don't have a, a local coach that can do that. So it's, it's only an expatriate that that can help with that.
0: So Ghana needs a foreign coach?
6: Yeah, they, they, they do need a foreign coach.
0: So that's uh, Betty Yorson with her thoughts on uh, Ghana's disappointing campaign. That's a very strong statement there, Ida. She says Ghana need a foreign coach and that a local coach cannot hold authority over the Black Stars team.
1: I mean, I think if there was anyone to do it, considering how huge of a legend he is back in Ghana, it should have been Kwesi up here. And, you know, another thing that makes it not too good for Ghana... Is that their budget was reportedly one of the highest, you know, at this nation's cup. So the Ghana cases is, is quite quite interesting, but at the same time, Steve, we can't we can't look past the fact that there are two local coaches. So it's to say something. It's to say that if we can invest in local local players who we have seen turn out to be local coaches, maybe there's something in it after all. I mean, it was Kwesi here. He should have done better.
0: And uh, started out with 11 local coaches of the 24 here at the Nations Cup. Uh, the two in the final are both local for Senegal and for Algeria.
1: Exactly. It's, uh, it's a thing of beauty, I will say. I'm all for investing in local talent. And, you know, a lot of times people say that, uh, especially back here in the continent, that Africans can solve African problems, you know. Um, but, you know, that aside, the fact that when we look at al U C C He made it all the way to the final with Senegal. I think it was in 2002. And, you you know, at that time, he he had a penalty saved or he missed a penalty. And you can see that destiny has come full circle. They might not have won it then. They ended up as runners-up then. But destiny has come full circle. And now he's in the final again, but now as a coach. You know, And when we look at Belmadi, the same situation. I believe he got to the quarterfinals because Sissé got to the final and ended up as runners-up in 2002. And Belmadi got to the quarterfinals two years later in 2004 with Algeria. And full circle once again, you know, 15-odd years later, he's now in the final. Then it was as a player, and now it's as a coach. So that tells you something. That tells you that, you know... Provided enough structure, enough organization, then local coaches can excel.
0: Yeah, that's uh, something we'll go in-depth on uh, another time as well, but I think they've done uh, incredibly well, as you say, uh, Ida. Uh, now, finally, here on Planet Sport Football Africa, uh, last week we talked about the amazing story here in Cairo of the arrival of Zimbabwe fan Alvin Aluva-Jarkata, who completed his Cape to Cairo road trip for the Africa Cup of Nations on Wednesday of last week, having left on the 21st of May, and the journey took him 44 days. They set up from Cape Town, that's uh, Africa's southernmost tip, uh, by Road to Cairo. He's an absolutely huge celebrity here, having finally got here. Although Zimbabwe had a long been knocked out by the time he reached here, so he didn't get to see the Warriors. But on Wednesday, he was presented with a ticket for the final by the CAF President Ahmed, and also CAF had bought him a ticket to fly back home. So he's not going back by road; he's flying. And he spoke to me after his meeting with the CAF President.
5: I'm thrilled. I'm excited, and I'm overwhelmed. You know, by this honor. Um... You know, to receive a ticket, uh, you know, a VVIP ticket, category one, a uh, premium ticket. So I will be mixing and mingling with, you know, the, the football is who, who is who, you know, from the legends, from the presidents and stuff and all that. You know, it's, it's, it's indeed a, a great honor. And I feel, I feel rewarded. I feel honored by this uh, re- recognition. Uh, I'm so excited.
0: Uh, I saw you just whispering a few words in uh, Ahmed's ear at that presentation. What were you saying?
5: Well, I highlighted to him that you know um, the challenges that I came across uh, are the challenges that we, most Africans face when they want to move from one African country to to, to another. So I've I've got a, I've compiled a list of recommendations so that I can give to to him so that he may, he may hand over to to the African Union.
0: Well, that is the feel-good story of this Nations Cup, I'd say, and I'm sure that it uh, did uh, make headlines in Kenya as well. That's Alvin Aluva Jakarta.
1: Yes, it did. Um, Actually, he did pass by Kenya, Nairobi, Kenya, on his journey, although he did encounter a few problems on uh, the border of Kenya, Ethiopia. But it's an amazing story, and, you know, it's a story of never give up, literally. The, the saying that we've been seeing that Mo Salah wore his T-shirt is the same T-shirt that Alvin has actually been wearing. And I think it's a good testament to his journey from Cape to Cairo. And, you know, I wish him all the best. It's, it's been amazing just seeing him persevere, you know, and not give up on his dream. And now he's enjoying, he'll enjoy, you know, all the way through. It's beautiful for him.
0: Yes, such an inspiring story. Well, thanks, Ida. So much else to talk about, but uh, not enough time. Uh, Nigeria's Amaju Pinnick lost his position as the CAF first vice-president uh, here at the Nations Cup this week. South Africa's Danny Yordan uh, taking over one of those vice-presidency positions. The CAF Champions League final to be played over one leg as of this coming season uh, following the controversy around this year's final between Esperance and Widad Casablanca, where the second leg was abandoned and we're still waiting for the court of arbitration for sport to rule on the outcome. Uh, but if it's played over one leg on a neutral ground, uh, surely it will keep the fans away. It's not the same as the UEFA Champions League where it's so easy to travel in Europe and affordable but African distances can be so huge and the flight's extremely expensive so I don't know if that is going to work out. Also the Africa Women's Cup of Nations finals to be expanded from 8 teams to 12. That's going to be a welcome move all across Africa as it will Give other teams a chance to qualify uh, although as it stands there's no host for next year's africa women's nations cup as congo brazzaville have pulled out and a controversial move that sees the fifa secretary general fatma samoura coming for six months from the first of august as the fifa general delegate for africa uh, the first time that fifa has taken over the running of the affairs of a continental confederation And the road to 2021 has begun with the draw for qualifying for the next edition of the Nations Cup in two years' time in Cameroon, having been made on Thursday night. Eight teams go into a preliminary round, then we have 12 groups of four, with the top two in each group qualifying. Uh, Egypt, who've hosted here, have Kenya, Togo and Comoros. And looking at another group that's very interesting, three Southern African teams with Zimbabwe, Zambia and Botswana, joined by Algeria. Well, it's been an eventful and an exciting time here at the Nations Cup. You can tell us what you think about the tournament on social media. Go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and post a comment there. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus 447955232780. That's plus 447955232780. From Eastie Vickers and from Ida Waringa at the Africa Cup of Nations in Cairo in Egypt. Thanks a lot for listening and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.